0: better than you Uh, but we're just like you we're just ordinary people but God's come to our lives we've opened our hearts and God has helped us to go on a journey of following him he can do the same uh, for you it may be that you want to go deeper into God and there's more for every one of us and again I encourage you tonight just to continue to open your heart to the word because there can be a sentence there can be a phrase it can be something that God just takes off tonight that can just change us continually And take us deeper into all that God's got for us. If you've got a Bible, you might just want to turn to Acts chapter 1 for a moment. And as we're going there, um, I just want to uh, remind us of where we were last Sunday. Because um, as as an eldership, as a leadership, we're we're very intentional about these uh, times of the year that we remember. Uh, As we've said in other contexts, we don't have that formal approach to the Christian calendar um, that uh, takes us through literally every Sunday of the year, fourth after Trinity and all those sorts of things. But it, frankly, we find it crass to go through the Easter weekend um, just doing our own thing and sort of, sort of trying to prove that we're not traditional in doing it. Uh, we're so glad that um, we're able to remember the Lord's death on Good Friday. and What an awesome turnout at Ilkeston. Thank you for people from Mansfield that came down. And that today, both in the morning at Ilkeston and here tonight in Mansfield, we've been able to celebrate the Lord's resurrection. We've done that very deliberately. And, you know, as I'm thinking tonight, uh, and I want for you just to show your appreciation in a moment, but for people, as we've done that, we've done it with a real intention because the bedrock truths of the faith, we want to drive home into our hearts again and again and again. As we'll come to in a moment, If we don't believe that Jesus is risen from the dead, frankly, we're wasting our time tonight. This building's away, we might as well sell it tomorrow, Christian, and put it on the market and let somebody else have a go. But we're all here tonight, or many of us are, out of a conviction, not because we're bright or sparky or any better than anybody else, but God has come to us and we've laid down our lives for this truth that Jesus Christ is alive. He's here tonight in the power of his spirit to bless us, to touch us, to heal us and to minister to us. And uh, we just thank God that this weekend, we know it moves around. I think it's something to do with the spring equinox. It's not the same as December the 25th in terms of Christmas. But what a wonderful weekend. And interestingly, this morning as we're having conversations with newer Christians that were leaving the church, several of them says, I've really got it. I realised why we had to have Friday so we could get to Sunday. Sure. And the fact of the is, friends, they don't clash, but they complement. Yeah. And, and the truth is that if we try and walk round the cross, We'll come to a place that's skewed in our faith. We have to embrace the power, the joy, the challenge of the cross to enjoy the blessing of resurrection. They work together. They always have, and they always will. And so, in all of that, we've had people preparing, the choir, the musicians, the meeting place band, people getting things ready. And I wonder if we could just show our appreciation to because they've done a fantastic job, haven't they? And we really do appreciate... All that you've done. I love that the choir absolutely reflects arena church. It's right across the ages and the generations. And there were as one as they led us in praise and worship to the Lord. So thank you, Julie, and many others that have worked so hard in uh, enabling all that to come together. Last Sunday night we we took the title that was uh, that was the week that was, and I took us from Palm Sunday to Jesus descending into the depths on what we'd know as holy Saturday. And and said, we're going to have to wait until Sunday to sort of finish it off. And so we come to Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. And it says, in the former book, Theophilus, I write, this is Dr. Luke writing, I write about what Jesus began to do and teach. He's referring to the gospel of Luke. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, Jesus, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive, or as some translation says, infallible proofs. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he says, he, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift the Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And of course, <clears throat> some days later, 10 days later, they celebrated what we know as Pentecost and received the fullness of the Spirit. Verse 3, Jesus showed himself alive by many convincing or infallible proofs. And as we come to Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, as we come to, if you like, the beginning of the week after the week that was, it really is the piece of the jigsaw that brings the whole of the picture together. Uh, uh, We... As I said, enjoyed a wonderful reflective evening on Friday. Christian passionately poured out his heart and reminded us of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. That all said, if Jesus had remained dead, friends, in other words, if he had just been a religious figure, then it all would have been in vain. But as we've heard already tonight, but now is Christ risen from the dead? And my intention tonight is not to give an apologetic for the resurrection. We we'll, could do that another time and encourage you to read on those things. But the, the most uh, devastating piece of evidence against anybody denying the resurrection is that nobody's ever produced a body. Uh, he, he left the grave. He showed himself alive. He went back to be with the risen Lord. So I'm speaking tonight, and I'm speaking in terms of reflecting our church from a place of persuasion, that we absolutely emphatically believe that the Lord Jesus, as we heard on the video clip at the beginning, died. He gave himself. He cried, it's finished on the cross. And the third day, he gloriously rose again from the dead. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And my focus tonight is on those 40 days between resurrection and ascension. Don't worry, it's not going to take 40 days to get there. But that's my focus tonight. Jesus showing himself alive by many convincing proofs. And if you like a, me- a title for tonight's message, it's Jesus Alive and Ministering. And I want to take four extracts of Scripture, and I want to apply them to us. But I also, if I can say it with humility, I want to declare it prophetically over Mansfield and the surrounding area again. Because I believe that these four things are something that the living Jesus continually wants to minister in. It was almost, friends, that he did things deliberately. He chose specific situations. He spoke to people with deliberate statements because he was setting a marker that it wasn't just about 40 days, but it was about the rest of the history of time. I'm going to keep coming to people in particular situations. And because I'm alive, I'm going to keep ministering to them and bringing them through. a different place and those four scriptures tonight I referred to I won't have time to read them please don't think I'm treating the scripture disrespectfully by not reading through it's simply for time but I'll give you the scripture references you may want to jot them down or just store them in your memory and then I'll encourage you to just read them this week just as an afterflow of the resurrection worship that we've enjoyed this evening so the first one's found in Mark chapter 16 Uh, Right at the end of of Mark 16. And the first thing that I see Jesus ministering to is disrepute. Is disrepute. And uh, we find there in Mark 16 that Mary, the mother of Jesus and Salome, and Mary Magdalene go down to the garden. And they're asking the question, well, who's going to move the stone? And when they got there, they found that the stone, though very large, had been rolled away. And they enter the tomb. And uh, as as I said in another context today, two and a bit years ago, Sharon and me had the joy of being part of a deputation of our national leadership team of Sanders of God to go for seven days to Israel. And on a glorious Saturday morning, we went to the garden tomb, the place where Jesus had been laid and rose again. It was an amazing morning, something that lives in the memory bank forever. And thank God the place was empty and we're able to go in. And we just rejoiced again in the living reality of what God had done. The stone was rolled away. And uh, someone says, don't be alarmed. Jesus says, don't be alarmed. He says, you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. One dressed uh, in in white, an angelic uh, visitation, visitor came. He's risen. He's not here. See the place where he has been laid. Go and tell the disciples. And then he goes on to the other verses. I understand there's been debate about whether these verses were in the original canon of Scripture, but they are for tonight. Is that okay? Because yeah. in verse 9, it says, When Jesus came early the first day, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he driven seven devils. She went and told them who had been with, she had been with him, and, and, and to those that were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that Jesus was alive, and that she had seen him, they did not believe him. Someone said to me just yesterday, I wonder what the disciples felt like on Saturday between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. They'd followed their Lord. They'd they'd, uh, listened to his teachings. Well, the reality is, friends, they were mourning and weeping. They felt bewildered. They thought it was the end of things. And even though Jesus had had said something amazing was going to happen, it seemed as though they found it difficult to absorb it. But I want you to notice that he first appeared to Mary Magdalene out of whom he cast seven devils. In being kind, friends, and the Bible uses economic language often to describe people that have gone into problems, this was a lady of disrepute. I'll let you draw your own conclusions to what I'm saying about this. But she seemed the last person rather than the first person that the risen lords would meet. And I believe... He was making a statement. And it may be that tonight you feel that your life is one of disrepute. You've got involved in things that you wish you'd not have got involved in. You've done things that you wouldn't want anybody else in the church tonight to know about. There's a sense of shame, of lack of forgiveness, of regret. And Jesus is the first person tonight to come to you and say, actually, it can be different. can be different because I'm alive and I believe all over this town there are people that live in a place of disrepute in fact there's sometimes even the sense where people have tried to lay disrepute on the town and Paul has sometimes alluded to it where people have spoken down over the town and I want to say Jesus is never doing that friends he is never ever doing it he is speaking up over the town he loves this town. He loves this community. Even in recent weeks, we've had the uh, the news regarding Thorsby, And it seemed the last death knell in what we would called the great mining community of this area. And it seemed another down. Another place of that, 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 that community is never going to do anything. It's going to live in its past. There's a disrepute that sits over it. But God comes in the power of the risen Jesus to say it can be different. It may be tonight that your life's entangled with all sorts of bondages and sins. It seems there's no way out. It seems though other people look down on you. Other people judge you. Other people speak ill will of you. But God comes in Jesus' To say I have no respect of persons and the first person I came to post-resurrection was someone that had lived in disrepute that had been gloriously set free and I revealed myself as being alive Amen. I want to encourage you tonight and reassure you there's a place in God where you can move from disrepute to a glorious destiny in Jesus you know that word destiny sometimes gets over Used, But I've been incredibly impacted by it again in recent days. That God wants to take hold of people and use them in amazing ways for his glory and praise. The second thing that Jesus did in showing himself alive by many infallible proofs was to deal not only with disrepute but also with doubts. And at the end of John's Gospel and chapter 20, many of you will know the story of the disciples meeting with the Lord. And one of them missing, and his name was Thomas. And he's been dubbed over the history of time, Doubting Thomas. Interestingly, in John chapter 11 and verse 16, he talks about going with Jesus with the potential of dying with him. This guy was committed. It's just that in this particular season, he had a pang of doubt. Anybody been there? And Jesus comes again to minister to his doubts. I think sometimes he really has had a bad press <clears throat> doubts an opponent to faith of course and at the end of John's gospel Jesus comes one evening to appear to the disciples and says peace be with you it notes there that Thomas wasn't with them and uh, <clears throat> the disciples got together and began to converse with each other and they began to share with him the fact that the risen Lord administered to them and those amazing words in verse 25 of John 20 says ah but unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. It may be that tonight, friends, you're in Arena Mansfield and there's pangs of doubt. And the little accusing voice in your heart is, "While well, you're finished. Oh, I mean, because nobody ever feels any doubt. It's only you, you know. Everybody else in the church is absolutely pumped with faith. It must be just you. And it pressures you down even more. The reality is I suggest that every one of us on the Christian journey, on some occasions, for whatever reason, go through seasons of doubting whether the Lord's really with us. And I want to encourage us tonight to realize that there's always a way through that to where God ministers in an amazing way. Impacted by John the Baptist, what a preparer of the way of the Lord. But in prison, in Matthew 11, he sends his friends to his cousin, the Lord Jesus, and says, can you ask him this question? Are you the one that actually has been sent by the Lord? was a pang of doubt. It's amazing. And Jesus sends word back to encourage him and inspire his faith. What about Acts chapter 12? When Peter was delivered from the prison miraculously, supernaturally in response to people praying. And Peter gets miraculous relief from the prison. He knocks on the door and uh, the little servant girl goes to the door and recognizes it's Peter's voice. Interestingly, she doesn't open the door and let him in, but she goes back to the people and says, Peter's outside. They didn't believe her. They said, she must be crazy. A pang of doubt. Sometimes even when we're praying for things, When God answers, we still don't believe that he's done it. You see, the Bible's just so full of humanity. But I want to encourage us tonight, friends, to be a people that press through into all that God has got for us. You see, doubt says, some of the time, but not now. Some of the place, but not here. Some of the person, but not me. Faith says, anything God can do anywhere else, he can do here. Anything he did in someone else, he can do in me. Yeah. Anything he did somewhere else, he can do here. And anything he can did in the past, he can do now. We don't walk by doubt, we walk by faith. We don't even walk by sight, but we walk by faith. And it's by faith that we draw into the heart of the living God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Jesus comes again and says to the disciples, peace be with you. Thomas was with them. And he said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger in my hands and reach out your hand to my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And here's the principle. Jesus says, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Friends, I believe that God's wanting, in the power of the risen Jesus, to minister to the doubting community all around us. I said, come on, reach out to me. Lay down those questions. If, if you show me God, I'll believe. What about this and what about that? And what about Brian Cox said on the telly? All it goes on and on and on. There's always an, they'll step into a living face with the living God through the living reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. And tonight, if you're a believer and you felt some pangs of doubt, don't kill yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Don't make you you know a subnormal Christian. Press through it. See what God's teaching. And believe and see that the principle is that even though you can't see and believe, God will bring you through. The third thing I noticed about Jesus showing himself alive by many infallible proofs is that he wants to deal to despondency. And at the end of Luke chapter 24, Jesus goes on a walk with two disciples from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They didn't know it was Jesus. But he begins to talk with them. Notice what it says there. He says he asked them, why, what are you discussing and what are you talking about? And they stood, and it says there in verse 17 that their faces were downcast. One of them named Cleopas said, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened these past few days? And Jesus sort of winds them up a little bit. He says, what things? things. Well, about Jesus of Nazareth. And then he began to tell them all that was due to take place. And he said, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And still they didn't get it. And they approached the village. And it appeared that Jesus was going a little pervert. But they said, come and stay with us for the evening. The day is almost over. When they were at the table... He took bread he gave thanks and broke it. And then their eyes were opened and he recognized them. And it says he disappeared from their sight. They went on to say, didn't our hearts burn within us as he opened up the word and the scriptures. Despondent. And Jesus comes, friends, almost slightly tongue in cheek to minister to these disciples and to reveal His risenness to them. It says that they were so blessed that they immediately walked back, seven miles, read it, back to Jerusalem. That's 14 miles, that's a good walk. Seven back, it was night time, it was not that dark when they got back, but they were so pumped by that point that they went back to tell the other disciples what had taken place and how they had met with the risen Lord. Despondency, gloom, failure, lack of hope no future we speak out to this community again that the risen Lord Jesus will minister into despondency maybe there's something come to you friends that causes you to feel downcast to feel alone to feel there's no way ahead but Jesus says there is and he inspires and he renews and he confirms tonight that he's got a purpose and plan for our lives and finally in the four things that I wanted to mention the risen Jesus appearing by many convincing proofs deals with denial John chapter 21 verses 15 to 19 again you know the story well that Jesus appears on the seashore because the disciples had gone back fishing we'll come to that in a moment And uh, he makes them breakfast. And when he finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? I said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger and dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old, <clears throat> you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. There's been many commentators that have had uh, a lot of play with this particular passage as Scripture. But I think for me, friends, the, the powerful application is that Jesus comes again to people that have let him down. If you were with us on Good Friday, you'll know that Nathan and I brought some great readings from the Bible. I said to them afterwards, you took us there. Uh, the inflection in the voice, the way that they dramatized those readings. And one of them was about Peter surrounding the coals of fire in the courtyard as Jesus was about to be taken to be crucified. They recognized his northern accent, his Galilean accent, and they said, you're one of his followers, aren't you? No. And again, the Bible's kind in terms of its language, but the reality is, friends, that Peter got so angry he began to swear and curse in denial of his Lord. Read it. He lost his temper, he lost his rag, he lost his cool, and he completely denied three times that he was a follower of the Lord. And then the rooster crowed. And he went out and wept bitterly. I wonder how he felt that night. I wonder if ever you've gone home and thought, that's it, I'm finished. I'm done. I can't believe that I've let the Lord down so badly. I wonder if that voice has come to you and said, you know what, you'll never have a ministry again. You'll never have a contribution to make in the church. You'll never be, uh, have any opportunity to be on the platform. You'll never hold leadership. You're done. You're finished. In fact, you might as well pack it all in. What's the point of you going to church? You're a failure. You've let God down. It's all over. I wonder if you've been there. I wonder how many people, friends, around Mansfield tonight, rather than being in the house of God, are in the pub next door, or the disco, or the club, or they've already sort of had one too many today. That were followers of Jesus for whatever reason, friends, without any sense of judgment, something's come to their life. They feel they let the Lord down. I wonder tonight if they're sat at home and perhaps are even thinking about the Easter day and wondering whether they could find a place again to be in the house of God. And perhaps thinking, well, nobody will want me. I'll be judged. Um, I'll be pushed away. Uh, maybe tonight they've had a bad experience of being in a community and, and they, they feel again that they. Couldn't give themselves to it. I'm sure, friends, that all over the place, there are people like that. And the risen Jesus loves to come to them and to give them another chance. It's interesting that Peter denied the Lord three times. And three times, Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me more than these? Bible commentators have picked over, what were the these? Some have said that maybe he was asking whether... He loved the Lord more than the disciples. But most seem to come back to the fact that he was addressing again what Peter was now doing. Remember earlier in the Gospels when they laid down their nets and said, Jesus, we're following you. They forsook all and followed him. But all of a sudden, they're back fishing. They're back in a safe place and saying, I don't know where I'm going to follow this Lord anymore. We'd better start earning a living again. And I understand, friends, that there were times even in the, ministry, in the journey of ministry where people need to do that. I worked vocationally for 14, 15 years. But I want to say that if I can say it with humility again tonight, there was never one time in my heart where I did it because I was turning away from Jesus. In fact, I denied some of the opportunities that secular work gave me to pursue my followership of Jesus. But here it seems that maybe they said, that's it. The Lord's gone he's dead, he's finished, we're all finished. Let's go back to what we used to do. Do you love me more than these? I wonder if the call of God's going to come to young people in our church over the next two, three years. What's it's going to cost you? And God's going to say, do you love me more than these? I remember a guy in our church in another context who had a call to missions. He's still not gone. Good lad. Good lad. But the these of this world came to his life to stop him being all that God had called him to be. Do you love me more than these? What's your these tonight? And Friends, we have no problems with people in our church having a career path. We're believing for people to be managers of companies. We're believing for people to have influence over hundreds. Where we're believing for people to be leaders in schools and hospitals. We have no problem with that. If that is your journey and calling. But if God is saying something different. If God is coming to your life in these days. If God's going to come to you in the future with a call to something different. Always ensure that the love of Jesus is paramount in your life. Jesus spoke personally to him, to Peter. He spoke persistently and searchingly three times. And he spoke with authority. And he set him up, friends, for martyrdom. How about that? What a sacrificial call for Peter. Of course, that's exactly what happened. Tradition has it that Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified in the same way as Jesus. What a call. What a sacrifice. What a blessing. But here we are, friends, 2,000 years later, still talking about him. His life speaks down the ages of time. What's the these of our lives? This Easter Sunday, can we bring them all to the cross? Can we bring them all to the risen Jesus? said, Jesus, I love you more than these. You know that I love you more than these. And so we come to a place where the failure, Peter, the denier, the one that turned against him was recommissioned to be a vital cog in the spreading of the gospel to the known world and for us 2,000 years later to enjoy the blessing of the good news handed down by these men that gave everything for the cause. Jesus showed himself alive by many convincing infallible proofs. We could go on because there were well over 12 incidents in those 40 days. Sometimes with Jesus appearing to one. And in one occasion, as 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, where he appeared to 500 people at one time and showed himself to be alive. But enough's been said. And I speak to Arena Mansfield Congregation tonight, but I speak to that wider audience that in the spiritual, in the heavenlies, is listening. I speak to the enemy that seeks to frustrate and push down over this town and inhibit all that God wants to do. We believe tonight, as Christian led us in prayer earlier, that we're about to press into something that God's never, ever done before. And that's not just hype, friends. That's a statement of faith, to believe that God wants to do something that's never, ever taken place before. That we wouldn't just rejoice in what God's doing through church growth in the Americas and in Africa and Asia, but in our nation. That even this day, perhaps has reflected itself in a secular way, where many people have completely ignored the celebration of resurrection that we can rise again to believe that God wants to do something. That's the journey Arena Mansfield's on. And we call you tonight to join us afresh to live in all that God wants to do. Jesus died and he rose again and he showed himself alive by many convincing proofs. And I believe that he did it prophetically. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming. Thank you for giving. Thank you for rising. And thank you for living. Tonight the Lord Jesus speaks into disrepute and says it's over. He speaks to despondency and says that you can have new hope. And he speaks to denial, even though sometimes we may have grievously let him down and said there's a recommissioning that can come to your life where I can use you in an amazing, amazing way. That's the power of the resurrection, friends. It really isn't just about a day. It really is about a journey. And I encourage us to join together in these days to live out the truth of resurrection living in the power of the Holy Spirit and believe that Jesus will minister into those situations and so many more for his praise and for his glory. If it's you tonight, then make a response. If it's you tonight in doubt, come to faith. If it's you tonight that for whatever reason have felt despondent, come to a place tonight of fresh hope and it's for you if it's you tonight hearing that wonderful voice of the spirit saying you know what do you love me more than these that we come to a place of saying absolutely and we'd live in the purpose destiny calling and future of the lord it's all possible because he's alive